My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're able to be with us this morning. Uh, if you got your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 10 this morning, Mark chapter 10. And a uh, special thanks this morning to uh, Danus and Brittany Jonica for taking over for Jessica Miller in room 206 at the Hickson campus this morning. So thanks, guys. I appreciate that. I uh, appreciate your uh, diligence and faithfulness in that. So if you got your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 10. We'll read all of Mark chapter 10 here in just a minute. If you need a copy of today's handout, you can either look in the comments uh, of the Facebook uh, post, or you can go to OurSundaySchool.com to grab a copy of the handout. Uh, I would also recommend a copy of Mark's Gospel. Uh, and let's greet some folks this morning. So the Barber Four are here. Wonderful. Good morning, Barbers. Uh, Jessica, the Millers are from their living room this morning. Good morning. The Archers. Uh, Nancy Miller from Oak Ridge. Hey, guys. Uh, the Greggs from North Carolina. Good morning. The Landers, the Arnolds, uh, the Belosins. Fantastic. Good morning, everybody. And uh, the Fleming Three are here in the Fleming living room. Uh, and we were actually just discussing a change of scenery for uh, some future Our Sunday Schools. So uh, very likely in 2021, we'll transition to my office here in the house, which used to be known as Anna Grace's bedroom. Uh, but she has moved out, which means I get an office now. So uh, that has been duly <laughs> switched out. I have some folks chuckling on the couch at me right now. So this is why I'm laughing a little bit. Uh, so in 2021 and beyond, uh, Lord willing, we may be in there. Uh, this The setup is a little easier in there than uh, dragging everything out here into the living room so you can look at my uh, eclectic set of books. So there's that. All right, so the question that we ask each week is, what is God doing in you through the portion of Mark that we have studied so far? Uh, and just a preview of what next week's lesson uh, might be. Um, looking at doing a review of everything that we've studied so far in Mark's gospel. Not trying to teach everything again, uh, but just a review of some of the high points, uh, as well as some of the things that uh, that you have had uh, going on in your lives around how this particular study and what the Holy Spirit has done uh, in your life, uh, and just reflecting back on kind of where we're at. Uh, I believe that we will finish uh, verses 13 through 16 in chapter 10 today, the next section of Mark chapter 10 is rather long, and it will probably take three to four weeks to get through. Uh, what I don't want to do is start next week and then take a nearly month-long break from Mark. We'll be off two weeks, December 27th and January 3rd, uh, no Sunday school. Uh, January 10th, we'll come back with our uh, who, what, where, when, why, how of Sunday school just to give us a regrounding of this is what we do, this is what we're about, this is the direction we're headed. Uh, and then, uh, Lord willing, January 17th, we will start back in Mark. Uh, so from the 20th of December through the 17th of January, uh, the, the gap there will be, we really won't be uh, focusing on new content in Mark. Uh, so I didn't want to have a you know three, four week gap between starting a lesson and then picking up the same train of thought. So typically, what we'll, probably what we'll do next week is a uh, review. Uh, and if you go to OurSundaySchool.com, you'll see some links there to... Uh, the first five chapters of Mark, and then the next five chapters of Mark. So I would encourage you to study up a little bit on that and be ready for next week's lesson. So a couple more folks have joined us. So, hey, Cheryl, good morning. And uh, let's jump into Mark chapter 10. 
Mark chapter 10. And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them laying his hands on them. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will contempt him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. 
And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that there are those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would, must be, would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Amen. All right, we've had some more folks join us this morning. Good morning to the heirs from Pigeon Forge, uh, the McGarveys and the Martins. Hey, good morning, guys. Glad to have you guys. So we're just about to get looking at uh, Mark uh, 10, verses 13 through 16 this morning. Uh, but just a kind of a bigger perspective about Mark chapter 10. Again, I, I mentioned this last week, but notice how the different people come to Jesus and what they ask for and what they need and how Jesus engages and responds. So uh, you see the, the Pharisees, the false seekers uh, come early in Mark chapter 10. Then the, the little children are coming. Uh, the rich young man is coming who believes he, him to, himself to be righteous and is not. Uh, the, the disciples, they're, they're transitioning and, and heading to Jerusalem. Uh, James and John, two of the disciples themselves, come, uh, again, who believe themselves to be uh, righteous with a great uh, request and are not. Uh, and then Bartimaeus comes, uh, blind Bartimaeus. So lots of different folks are coming to Jesus. Um, I don't know what your job entails. Uh, I, I many times when I, I read through the Gospels, I feel like Jesus is the, the mom with uh, lots of little children underfoot. Uh, just coming to him constantly with requests and tugging on the, the the robe and you know hey I need this and hey I need this and hey I need this and I I believe Mark chapter ten is a kind of an encapsulation of this all these different requests coming into Jesus and the amazing thing right is that he he handles every one of them flawlessly and perfectly and righteously every time uh, which is uh, not something that can be said of me that's for sure 
So let's start with verse 13 uh, and this section, let the children come to me. So, and they were bringing the children to him that he might touch them. So this word bringing is in the imperfect. So this is repeatedly bringing these children to, to Jesus. This was something that was normal. Uh, the Greek word hina there for that. Uh, there was a purpose here. This is in, in order that he might touch them. And this, uh, this touch is very closely associated in uh, Jewish culture with a blessing. So early on in the Old Testament, you see uh, fathers blessing their children. Uh, you see uh, the laying on of hands and then some type of a pronouncement of good or a prayer for them. Uh, this is what we uh, in, think that Jesus was doing here, uh, especially from the context later on, just a few verses later, he talks about he took them in his arms and he blessed them, right? So this is a, a pronouncement of good over them. So this is not a uh, Jesus just like to touch little kids and something weird was going on. This is a his objective was to bless them and to say a prayer or a blessing over them, which is a Again, a, a beautiful gift, right? Um, the, the, the reality here is that I, I can't imagine that every single one of the parents that were bringing these kids uh, had honest, uh, flawless motives. Um, if you've ever been around someone famous, uh, there's, there's this odd desire to engage with them and to shake their hand or get your picture taken with them or to talk with them. Um, and I, I would imagine there was some celebrity component to this as well. Uh, but Jesus' objective, uh, and the, the objective that Mark lays out here in the gospel, is that uh, that they were coming that he might uh, touch them. So just keep that, that in mind. So that there was a physical closeness that was required to accomplish the objective of these parents. So we move on. It says, and the disciples. Uh, and this is a plural uh, disciples. This is uh, multiple disciples. Could be all. Might, might not be all, but it was certainly plural. Uh, the disciples rebuked them. And this word rebuke shows up several times in Mark's gospel. So we'll, we'll look through these. Uh, uh, traffic, Barry, that's fantastic. Uh, the stairs were backed up this morning, I imagine. That's cool. Good for you. Uh, so we're looking at, uh, we're in Mark chapter 10 today, Barry. So that's where we're going. Uh, this word rebuke, this is what the, um, so the disciples were rebuking either the parents or the children or some combination of both. Um, so this is the, how this word is used. So in Mark 1, 25, Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. This is the unclean spirit. Uh, fast forward a couple of pages there to 312. Um, the, uh, the, this, uh, this is the unclean spirits. Uh, again, in verse 11 and verse 12, he says, And he strictly ordered them, or he, he rebuked them not to make him known. Uh, 439. Few more pages over. <clears throat> this is uh, Jesus rebuking the wind and the sea, right? So the, the first several iterations here, first several occurrences here, are Jesus doing the rebuking, uh, and anything that the rabbi is doing, the disciples are supposed to be paying attention to. And uh, Peter, uh, like a good disciple, is paying attention to what the rabbi is doing. And in chapter eight, verse thirty. Um, uh, the, uh, it says, uh, who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you're the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. So he is being, Jesus is being consistent here with, um, with his uh, uh, control of the message and this information. And then two verses later in verse 32, and he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. So, you know, 
Peter's looking at his rabbi's behavior and says, hey, if the rabbi can rebuke, I can rebuke the rabbi. And this is not, like, we don't rebuke God. That's not the way things work. Um, and then verse 33, turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter. All right, we're going to set things straight here. And then we come to 9.25, so a couple of verses later, uh, and we get to uh, when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit. So Jesus is rebuking those that are opposing the, the will of God that Jesus Christ himself is living out. This is kind of how this word is used in Mark's gospel. Then we come to uh, 10.13, and the rest of the disciples get engaged with this, right? We get multiple disciples in 10.13 rebuking these parents and or children. Uh, and then if you look at 10.48, the last time that this is used, uh, this is where, uh, and many rebuked him. This is blind Bartimaeus telling him to be silent. Uh, so this is the idea that uh, don't bother the rabbi, right? So, so both times this word rebuke comes up in uh, Mark chapter 10. This is uh, in the context of physically coming to be with Jesus. And uh, we see how Jesus responds with this, that uh, he overturns the rebuke of those that were challenging blind Bartimaeus to not come to Jesus and he overturns the rebuke of the disciples here. So Jesus has a very, uh, I don't want to say open door policy, but a very uh, easy access policy to himself uh, with those that are seeking. Uh, there's a line at the Keurig this morning. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so verse 14. Uh, so verse 14, so they, the, the stage is set. So Jesus is there. The disciples are there. Parents and children are coming in and out. Uh, the disciples have rebuked them, verse 14, but when Jesus saw it. So the, the interesting thing about this is obviously Jesus knew whether he saw it or not. right? So just soak on that one for a second. But if he saw this action, that means they did it in front of him, which means they did it in a way that they thought was right. Because what do you do in front of your boss? You do in front of your boss what you think is right. You don't do in, your, in front of your boss what you think is wrong. Right, so there's a certain level of confidence that they would have had about this particular action of rebuking. So Jesus saw it, and he was indignant. And you might be thinking, like, well, what? Well, that's, a, that's a weird word. It is kind of a weird word. The Greek is actually a, a combination of two Greek words, uh, agon and octeo. Uh, the, the agon means much or many, and the octeo is grief. Uh, so it's like much grief. He was kind of mourning over this. He was afflicted uh, in the definition there over this. And uh, we see affliction two other times in Mark's gospel. Uh, another one in Mark chapter 10, verse 41, uh, where the disciples are indignant at uh, two of their disciples, James and John, who have asked for this thing that really on its face is quite insulting to the other 10 disciples. Uh, like my, my buddy and I, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left. And what does that say about the other 10? It says they're not worthy. They're not good enough. They're not like us. They're out. They're over there. Um, and so obviously the other 10 became indignant at them. And then the last time it's used in Mark's gospel is Mark 14, 4. If you flip over there, Mark 14, 4. This is the uh, when the, the woman breaks the alabaster flask and anoints uh, Jesus with it. Uh, verse 4, then there were some who said to themselves indignantly, they were grieving over this, right? Why was the ointment wasted like this? For this could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, right? This, this righteous, this false righteousness. 
Um, so this is how this word is used, this uh, kind of a mourning, uh, affliction, indignant uh, attitude. And we know that if Jesus had this particular action, belief, attitude, response, emotion, that he was using it flawlessly. So, so keep that in mind. This is, not a, uh, this is not a sinful use of this emotion. This is a righteous use of this emotion. Uh, this is one of the beautiful things that, about the scriptures that we get to see Jesus have all of these different human emotions and how to use them rightly and how to use them in a way that honors God and not in a way that uh, is, is sinful. So he was indignant. He saw them. He was indignant. And he said to them, and, and, and the, the grammar here might be a little wonky. Uh, I, I will tell you, there's a couple of verbs going on here at the same time. And I, I had to look at this several different times before I, I think I figured out what's going on. Uh, but the word let is a, I would call it a very weak translation for what's going on here. Because this is a command uh, to send forth. Um, and so this is the idea of uh, send the children coming to me. So, so instead of stop the children coming to me, this is send forth the children coming to me. Like open the door, open the floodgates, bring them on. So the, the two verbs that are at work here are the word let and the word come. In, in English, we don't usually put two verbs that close together. But in Greek, you can put, like, verbs go all over the place. It's just amazing. Uh, so this command, a command, so they've just rebuked people for doing what Jesus is commanding them to do. So we are as far opposed in behavior and verbiage as you can get here, right? So let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. All right, so do not hinder them. So uh, the Greek is not... Present active imperative hinder them. This this is a so present active imperatives are to be continuously obeyed. Um, they are not the one time obedience. They are the you should continue to obey this indefinitely until the command is rescinded. So th this is basically a a open uh, rule that Jesus is putting out for his disciples. Don't don't stop, don't stop them, don't you stop them. When you when this happens tomorrow, don't you stop them. When this happens next week, don't you stop them. When this happens uh, a couple of weeks, don't you stop them. They get access. That's how this works. Your job as a disciple is not to restrict access to God. Might be something in there for us, right? So 938, uh, we see this word used, uh, this word for hinder. Uh, and it probably wouldn't surprise you that this is the, the passage where John was talking about. We saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him, we tried to hinder him because he was not following us. And then Jesus follows up in verse 39, do not stop him, do not hinder him. Uh, Jesus is not about stopping people from doing stuff. He's about getting people to do things rightly. Right? So do not, do not hinder them for... And, and now we get into Jesus is going to take their action and turning it into a learning opportunity. So for this guards is assigning a reason for this. To such or of this sort or of this kind uh, belong or exist the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, don't, don't stop them because this is what God's kingdom looks like. This is what it's comprised of. This is what it's existing of. 
It exists of people who have access to God, right? Which is amazing and awesome and wonderful. And even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. I, I want to be in a place where we have access to God that is unfettered, that is not restricted by someone or something. Um, so th this is what God's kingdom looks like. See, Jesus is going through very specific earthly actions to paint a picture for us of what the king in his kingdom looks like. And it looks like people having access to God. So this is something to pay attention to. And he goes on. Verse 15, truly. So this is amen. This is the, the Greek word amen, which is actually just a Hebrew word transliterated. It means this is trustworthy. This is sure. So be it. Uh, it's kind of a, a, a pay attention. This is true. Uh, I say to you, whoever, two Greek words, hosan, uh, whoever, and then at the top of page uh, 319, does not receive me, I'm sorry, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God uh, like a child shall not enter it. So whoever does not receive, this word receive is actually in the subjunctive. It's a possibility. Uh, we see this word receive a couple of different times in Mark's gospel. In Mark 6, um, Mark 6, 11. This is Jesus' directions to his apostles. Uh, it says in them in verse 10, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you when you leave. Shake off the dust that is in your feet as a testimony against them. So if there's somebody that not, will not accept you into a specific place, this is a problem for them. And then Mark 9, 37, again about children. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Um, I, I got to think Jesus used this, uses this word on purpose because he's just, you know, maybe even the day before, uh, talked about how we are received by the Father, right? We're received by the Father through the Son, and this picture of Christ receiving these children is a picture of that. So whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like or in this manner, a child shall not enter it. And this shall not is super strong. So I don't, I don't know if you are an under, underliner in your Bible, but you might want to underline the word not, because uh, it's actually a double negative in Greek. There's two words for not. Uh, and double negatives in English mean a positive, right? A negative and negative is a positive. I feel like I'm in math class now. Uh, but in Greek, a negative and a negative is a really strong negative. And uh, so uh, you, you could almost like shout this word when you read it. So whoever does not receive uh, uh, the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Uh, and this word enter again is a subjunctive. It's not a, it's not an indicative. Uh, it's a subjunctive. It's a possibility of this happening. Uh, and then the ESV actually excludes the word uh, into. Uh, I actually like the word into being there. One, because it's in the Greek and it's there. Uh, but I think it flows better when you read it. So if you read the uh, whoever, uh, let's go back up. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter into it or shall not enter in it. That's the more literal uh, rendering. And then verse 16, and he took them, just like he did in verse in chapter 9, verse 36, right, where he took the little child in his arms and stood him up in front of them. So he took them 
And we, we understand from the context here, this is not the disciples because there's, there's a couple different audiences here. Um, he would not have taken the disciples in his arms and blessed them, right? That seems, these are, they're not grown men, uh, but they are uh, at least well into their teenage years. And that would have been a bit awkward for him to take them in his arms. Uh, so he took these children into his arms uh, and blessed them. So I want to I camp out here on this word blessed for just a second. So first thing notice is it's the imperfect. So this is repeatedly. So these parents brought their kids to Jesus for Jesus to touch them, right? So they were asking for a touch. And what they get? They got a hold and a repeated blessing. I love it. I love it. It, you read through the Gospels and you see all these people with these little bitty dreams that they bring to Jesus. And he just blows them away and just showers them with grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. And here's more than you asked. Here's more than you even thought, right? Because celebrities don't stop and like really hang out with you. <laughs> That's not what they're about, right? Because celebrities are about fame, fortune, and all those other things. Jesus was about the will of his Father, which is coming to be the sacrifice for Israel. And at the same time, showing them what perfection looked like, lived out. And perfection doesn't look like rushed. Um, Jesus has set his face toward Jerusalem. Like we, we have transitioned from the early life and ministry, the calling of the apostles, training of the apostles. We are now headed toward Jerusalem. The final objective is being carried out. And uh, Jesus still makes time for whosoever will. And I love it. And if you remember, even on the cross, right, in the very last minutes of his life, whosoever will was still at play. Um, and and it's, a, it's a beautiful little glimpse into the unhurried life of Jesus Christ. And uh, I think we would do well to mimic this. So he took them in his arms and he blessed them. So what does the word blessed means? It means to be speak well of, to bless, to thank, uh, invoke a benediction on. Benediction is a prayer of blessing uh, or a prayer to prosper. Uh, and this blessing happens several different times in Mark's gospel. Uh, I, I won't go through all of them. I just want to look at a couple. Um, I, I'll, I'll show you a couple of my favorites here. You know what? We're all going to go through all of them. Why would we not? It's the Bible. Let's take the time. Uh, 641, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said, a blessing, right? This is a, a blessing that this would prosper us, that this would uh, be beneficial. Uh, an eight, seven, uh, exact same kind of thing, right? So he had a few small fish and having blessed them. So Jesus blessed his food before he ate it. Um, Mark 10, 16, uh, that's the word here, uh, eleven nine. Uh, so this is um, when Jesus is entering into Jerusalem, and those who verse nine went before, and those who followed were shouting, "Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord!" Right, um, verse ten. Blessed is the coming of uh, kingdom of our Father David. Hosanna in the highest. This is a a a declaration of this is something that is good. This is a declaration of something that this is going to prosper us. This is something that is uh, a very positive thing. And then the last time that it shows up in Mark's gospel is Mark 14, 22. 14, 22. And as they were eating, he took the bread and after blessing it, broke it, gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. 
He took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank. And they said, he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. So this blessing around food, this blessing around children, this blessing around Christ himself uh, is a, a theme throughout Mark's gospel that is a beautiful one. So Jesus, once you get the picture, he, he takes them in his arms, right? And so this is involved with touch. And he blesses them repeatedly. And the word for laying is the next word. This is a present active participle. This is a habit, right? So re repeatedly laying hands on them and blessing them, laying hands on them and blessing them, laying hands on them and blessing them. It's a beautiful picture of an unhurried Savior. So laying his hands on them. I, I, I hope one of the things that we, when we, when we get into this word-by-word uh, word look at uh, the Gospels, that we don't miss the beauty of who Jesus Christ is, that we're not lost in verbs and nouns and uh, participles, and that we see Christ for who he actually is, one who cares for those around him, one who cares about the truth, the reality of the kingdom of God, and one who is painting this picture, both visual and in words, for us to be able to see and understand who he actually is. So let's flip over to the last page in your handout, page 320. Let's look at um, let's look at some application and personalizations, bringing itty-bitty dreams to Jesus. I like that. Did I say that? I said that? No. It doesn't sound like me. Cool. That was a good line. Thanks for writing that down, Barry. Um, all right, so applications and personalizations. Oh, little bitty. I thought he wrote itty bitty. I was like, I would never say itty bitty. That's not coming out of my mouth. That's not going to happen, right? Oh, little bitty dreams. Okay, yes, I would say that. Fantastic. Um, this is this my my wife and son are laughing at me right now. This is one of the fun things about living with me. I think it's fun because I will hear something. And I'm like, yes, I think I've said this before because that's. Sounds very consistent with what I would say, and it's easy to filter through. But anyway, all right, applications and personalizations. Number one, application number one, God corrects his own. God corrects his own. One of the beautiful things that Jesus does here is he doesn't let the disciples, he doesn't let the disciples continue in their sinful behavior. He corrects it. This is good. So what do we do with that? What do you think I'm going to say? I'm going to say repent and believe in the gospel. That's right. When God corrects us, we repent and we believe in the gospel. We repent of our behavior, turn from that, and reorient towards what we're all about. Uh, application number two, the king knows about his kingdom. Right? When Jesus starts talking about the kingdom, it's because he's the king. He knows it. He gets it. He knows all about it. And he knows the perfect metaphor or analogy or simile to use to describe exactly the component that he wants to focus on at that, at that moment. So what do we do with that personalized number two? Uh, trust him. Yes, you did. Yes, thank you, Barry. I appreciate that. So God corrects his own to repent and believe in the gospel. Number two, the king knows about his kingdom. So number two, personalize, trust him. Number three, application, uh, righteous indignation is right. Uh, righteous indignation is right. So what do we do with that? Number three, I would say filter our indignation through righteousness. Right? Uh, when, when we have this uh 
grieving over some situation we're seeing or experiencing, just take a second and, and filter that. Is this is this righteous, or is this am I is this a show, or is this I'm just in the flesh? Um, so filter our indignation through righteousness. Uh, application number four. There's a lot of them today, and I just had to stop because they were they were so easy to find. Uh, number four application: restricting access to Jesus angers Jesus. Right, restricting access to Jesus angers Jesus. If you think back to where he. Uh, he's at the temple and he fashions the whip and he drives out the money changers. What the money changers were fundamentally doing was charging access to get to God. There's this restriction of access. And what is, what is Jesus' whole ministry about? Bridging the gap between a sinful man and a holy God. Right? Jesus is about connecting, not about uh, putting up barriers between access to God. So restricting access to Jesus angers Jesus. So number four, what do we do with that? Invite all Invite all, right? Everybody always, guys. Everybody always. Uh, in, and I've got in parentheses mine, including the kids. Whether you like kids or don't like kids, invite the kids, right? Application number five, the kingdom of God must be received like a child. The kingdom of God must be received like a child. So what do we do with that? We repent and believe in the gospel. Yes. <laughs> and then application number six, I don't want to miss one of the biggest ones. God bless his children. How awesome is that, right? So what do we do with that? Bless children. Absolutely. Speak blessing over them. It's okay. <laughs> Even when they're running around the place and others want to... Uh, Corral them in and rebuke. Speak blessing. It's all right. It's a good thing. All right. So I talked earlier uh, in the lesson about next week. What I'd like to do is do a review of what we've talked about in Mark so far. So uh, your homework this week uh, is to pray for help in understanding Mark, to hear Mark multiple times. So read back through the first 10 chapters of Mark. Uh, think about Mark. Talk with somebody about Mark. Share your insights about Mark. Invite a member and a non-member. Uh, and then all these resources are available at OurSundaySchool.com. Uh, uh, I will tell you that I think it is a great idea to take a minute and, uh, and pray for each other. Share your prayer requests, lean in, engage, pray for somebody that's not with you. Um, and then as you are able, uh, go to a Stuart Heights campus, Facebook page, YouTube, uh, or website later today for worship. Uh, hey, good morning, uh, Mary from Savannah, Tennessee. I'm going to have to Google that. I don't know that I know where Savannah, Tennessee is right off the top of my head. Uh, but that would be what I would encourage you to do uh, now is to engage in that prayer time. And then uh, I will leave you with a blessing. Um, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Uh, this is a blessing from uh, Numbers. Uh, this is actually... Uh, a, a blessing that we have up in uh, the kids' uh, bedrooms. Uh, it's one of the, it's one of the really, really uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, pieces of literature in the Old Testament. And um, is it six four, Jules? Is that what it is? Ah, uh, here it is, six twenty four. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.
It's a good message for this time of year. God bless you, and our Lord willing, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.